This is Ryan Bell from the Life After God podcast, and I never listen. I mean, why would I listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore? I mean, that's the competition. You need to listen to Life After God. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the show. I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host for this 250th episode. Jesse Dollamore sitting across from me. About as excited as any human being can be, my lovely, talented, and scholarly co-host, Brittany Page. Yes, here I am. I, can I say, before you before you do, I guess? Yeah. <laughs> here we go. I don't think I have been as excited for a show than this one in the, over the course of the past you know, 275 episodes or whatever we've done, including bonus content. Okay, well, then we're excited about two different things. Um, there is some discrepancy here in the excitement. Oh, is there? Because I'm excited about the debate. Oh, you are, yeah, you're definitely excited. I You keep, like, wandering into the other room to, like, look to see if it's on. Like, you know what time <laughs> it's coming on, but you still are like, oh, you just want to make sure. Ugh. Yeah, maybe they're going to start early. You never know. <laughs> Um, I almost couldn't sleep last night. I'm so excited. I and, cannot and wait. For, for those longtime listeners, you know that for Brittany to say she had a hard time sleeping, that's a big deal because Brittany can sleep anytime, anywhere. She could sleep in a, in a, a, a troop of raccoons. Them no. just scampering all over no, her. No, no. And she would be able to sleep soundly like no, a baby. That that is the exception. You could have furious <laughs> combat taking place all around you. That's true. And just snuggle up on a rock with a pillow. Yeah. Like a pillow. Yeah. And just uh, wee, 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 just get your 40 winks or your Z's or whatever the I fuck the metaphor is. I got 12 hours of sleep yesterday. You did. And that is the perfect amount of sleep for me. That's the ideal amount. I felt refreshed. I felt great, energetic. Brittany is not, this is not a bit. This is not, she's not joking. She's not. She's being serious. Yeah, I felt twelve great. hours of sleep, perfect is, amount is optimum for ideal. Brittany Page. Ideal, yeah. I run on about five. That's. <laughs> I would be chronically physically sick. <laughs> I would be vomiting. It would be diarrhea, Brittany. I just all over the place. Upset Tom <laughs> would be just all day upset Tom. All right. Well, yeah. all the excitement <laughs> has led to <laughs> diarrhea talk, so that's great. <laughs> Uh, we're going to get, obviously, obviously, we're going to get to the Donald Trump tapes and all that insanity. But before we do, we have some listener communication to get to. Of course, uh, we have, it's a buildup. It's, 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 we, we took a, we took a day off last week because Brittany's school schedule really is insane. For those of you considering grad school, uh, you should know going into it. That it is a time suck. It is a commitment. And not to take, not don't undertake it, as it were. Don't undertake it lightly because, 
Goddamn. Well, I had midterms, and I actually have midterms this week as well. So it's like a two-week midterm situation. Yeah, yeah. Rather than just... And this is your second to last semester, so... Yeah. They're really... Now they know you can do it. They're piling on. Yeah. So I I had a midterm. I had a paper. I had another paper. I had a lot of work to do. I'm reading hundreds of pages a week. Um, it's, it's a lot going on. So I appreciate you being forgiving um, and allowing us to... Absolutely. Thank to you guys very much. ...skip a, an episode. So before we move on, um, no, there, a few of you have sent us some some voicemails and voice memos that we absolutely want to get to, but there, it's not going to be today. It'll likely be next episode because there's just too much going on. We're doing this episode. We're going to watch the debate. We're going to turn around and, and cut the sound, prep it, do everything we need to do, and then record the, the, the bonus debate episode, thanks to our PayPal and Patreon supporters. And uh, so... If you don't hear your voicemail and hear us talk about it, uh, it'll be next time. But we do have a few vo- uh, emails that we want to get to. I can't even talk. So excited about the debate, Brittany Page. <laughs> or about what's to come in this episode. Yeah, now I'd we're rather. flipping our excitement. <laughs> right. I'm just generally an excitable character. I think that's well known. But we do have some emails we want to get to. So without further ado, Brittany Page. Dear Jesse and Brittany, I am a loyal listener of the show. One of the things that I love most is that you guys can talk about how you both changed with respect to some of your views on privilege and your support for everyone having equal rights. This election year has been most unusual and unbelievable and has caused a great deal of anxiety for most people. I am a black woman and I am married to a white man. My husband comes from a very conservative background. We do not, nor have we ever seen eye to eye on politics. This election cycle has been particularly difficult because my husband has been a supporter of Donald Trump. He's told me on numerous occasions that he does not think this man is a racist or misogynist. I'm sure you can imagine the amount of discord this has caused. While I am certainly not the biggest fan of Hillary, I find that there is truly no comparison when it comes to the two candidates. I feel like my husband has been brainwashed by Fox News and the hateful rhetoric that they preach. Listening to your podcast has given me hope that my husband, too, can eventually change and evolve to become a more empathetic person. I'm trying to get him to become a listener of your podcast. I have not succeeded as of yet, (laughs) but I have faith. Please keep the episodes coming. And by the way, Jesse, I am your Twitter follower that tweets Dollamore for POTUS 2016. You have no idea how much I mean this. You'd totally have my vote. Love the show, but I must say that Brittany is the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Robin in our nation's capital. Well, thank you very much for that wildly unwarranted uh, vote of confidence. I, (laughs) and I'm not just being humble guy because I don't really have that gene in me. Nope. Uh, There's not a goddamn chance that I could be president of the United States. I am not. I don't have the brain power. I am not smart enough to be president of the United States, nor would I want that awesome responsibility. One, I like five hours of sleep. I don't think presidents, I think they they might be on the four to five hour kind of schedule. (laughs) Brittany, no goddamn way could be president because 12 hours, I mean, there would be nuclear war would break out. And she'd be like, look. I'm only on hour eight. Wake me up in four hours. Yeah. <laughs> that is fact. But thank you. And I'm being serious. There's, uh, 
I don't know that I'll ever run for office. It used to be a dream of mine. Yeah. When I was younger. Yeah. Maybe well, something legislative. I don't know. But President Dollamore does sound good. <laughs> right. It's a strong name. I'm already President Dollamore. I'm president of the Jesse Dollamore fan club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. But uh, listen, I, I feel for you. I, I mean, I, I don't. Uh, I don't live in a household where there's diametric opposition to my viewpoints politically. I mean, any there's always going to be some disagreement, but. To have it to to your your partner and love and love of your life, to have them just completely different from you, that's gotta be stressful. Yeah, I mean maybe not actively like it's, I'm stressed out, but it's, there's got to be a strain there for oh, yeah. sure, especially if politics are important to you. Yeah, and yeah, come on, politics should be important to everybody because it affects us all so vitally. Well, also to the point about, um, you know, hoping that he'll change his mind. I think that that happens when, you know, he goes to bed at night and he starts thinking privately to himself about a conversation that you guys had and it's safe because it's just his own thoughts and he doesn't need to feel like he's being attacked or questioned. I think that's when people are most likely to change their minds. I always tell the story of when... um, Someone told me when I was a teenager that my family was white trash and I was very hurt by that comment. And I, I was like, no, they're not. They're not white. I'm not white trash. (laughs) Right. And then they dropped me off at my house and my mom was parked in the front yard and not the driveway. Her her truck was parked in the grass. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When you have an empty driveway. Yeah. An empty carport. And I like walked into my house and I was like, oh, I think that my family's white trash. Yeah. And I had some time to think about it and I accepted that, yeah, my family's white trash. But I couldn't have done that when I was was being told that face to face. It was those, those quiet, right. short moments of reflection. Right. It was too threatening to accept it when someone yeah. was telling me that. And, and that's been a constant theme about changing my mind throughout the years about different things. It's hard to do it when you're actively involved in a conversation because you don't want to admit you're wrong. But there are times when people will come around. Well, we definitely did. Well, I, I won't speak for you. I definitely did on many, many issues. And I used to be far more conservative than I am now, largely because of my religious upbringing and my adherence to what I believe to be the Christian perspective on politics, which is clearly wacky. It's not, this is not the way it is. I would say this, Robin, hold out hope because it'll be ink, very tiny, very small, incremental change over time. Right, that too. If you're looking for him to, to just tomorrow, just be like, yep, Black Lives Matter. I get it. I'm on board. I'm campaigning for Hillary. Yeah, I think you might be (laughs) setting yourself up to fail. And that's never good. That's never wise. That's never... It's not fair, neither to him or you. You need to know that it's going to take some time and support him in the incremental changes that take place without rubbing it in his face like, yeah, see, I fucking told you so. What am I... I know what's going on with advice here? giving right now, like dear Prudy yeah, right now. Going, anyway, I, Robin knows all this. Will you relax? <laughs> what's going on? What happens? This podcast brought to you by Doctor Drew. Everybody, <laughs> does he the... do? Does he do the relation? He does relationship stuff, right? Yeah, but this isn't relate. You're giving advice. Why are you giving? She didn't. <laughs> I this don't is know. unsolicited advice. God damn. This isn't an advice column. 
Relax. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, Brittany is the best part. Okay. All right. Thank you, Robin. We appreciate it very much. We love you and your support and your listenership. It means so, so much. Next up. Hey, Brittany and Jesse, the misogyny we've heard from the Republican Party and specifically the Trump camp is alarming. And even more than that, it is confusing. The contempt and disregard they obviously have for women is troubling, to say the least. As a young woman, I listen to these men talk about women. And all I can think of are three questions. What the fuck is wrong with these people? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, touche. Do they not have sisters, mothers, or daughters? Yes. How would they feel if another man spoke about their mothers, wives, sisters, and daughters in the appalling way in which they speak about women? I am just very confused. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Listen. This is the problem with politics, probably not just in America, but politics globally that you compartmentalize so well, especially surrounding politics. I think it's rare, and I don't want to toot my own horn, (laughs) but I'm in a unique position because of the flux of my opinions over the course of the last several years that I'm able to see both sides. I tend more toward liberal than I used to, but I still hold on to, and I think justifiably so, many moderate to conservative Uh, standards for government, mainly fiscally. But I think for most people, it is very difficult to to make a distinction that they see that Donald Trump, they're going to defend Donald Trump on the the terrible shit that he says. And we're going to get to it. That's why I'm excited. Real, real excited. Yes. But they defend him, but then faced with the proposition, we know someone. And he has daughters, only daughters. And he is defending the remarks of Donald Trump when I know that there would be violence afoot if Donald Trump or anyone else was to do the things that Donald Trump is bragging about, is articulating. So, I listen, I don't understand the 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 compartmentalization that is able to be t- t- utilized by these people, it, it just it's a team thing. It's my team is this. They're awesome. They're number one. I've got the foam finger, Woo! and I'm not going to back down from any argument, no matter how valid against my team. Right. It's all about polarization. Yeah. Because they're even bringing up Bill Clinton a lot. So they're saying, look at how terrible Bill Clinton is. Yeah. yeah, Bill Clinton is terrible. Terrible. I don't know who would argue that point. He has a history of victimizing women. You know who would? The Democrats with the foam fingers. Ooh, oh, my yeah. team. And they're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. And the thing is, if you're going to call out Bill Clinton for victimizing women, then you also need to call out Donald Trump for victimizing women. And vice versa. And the and, thing. And vice versa. If you're going to be calling no, out course, Donald Trump, of course. you can't well, turn a blind eye to the many sexual assaults and lawsuits and the fact that Bill Clinton was 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 disbarred from practicing law but there, after he was president. I understand that. That's true. But there's also a difference, which is Bill Clinton isn't running for president. Absolutely. Sure. Um, this has already been 
discussed. We know. We know he victimizes women. Donald Trump is running. He's the Republican nominee for the president of the United States. The year is 2016. This is happening right now. It's not 1994, 1995 anymore. And this came out yesterday. So for, for people to be posting things about Bill Clinton... Okay, we know Um, the current issue is that we have someone who's actively running for president about to be in in the most powerful position in society. Let's not blow our wad here on this topic. Okay. see, this is how excited we thanks a lot, Renya. (laughs) You're 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 you're, it's spoiler alert here. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for the emails. We appreciate it very much. For those of you who sent voice voicemails in and called in and sent voice memos, we're going to get to those. Like I said, um, just stand fast. Hold fast. I also want to say something. We get a lot of emails. We get a lot of voicemails. And if we don't read something that you wrote, please don't take it personally because it, it's not that we didn't think it was good or worthy of sharing with the audience. It's that we get so much communication that we really have to pick and choose what to include given the time constraints, right? If, if we did an unlimited, untimed, there was no time limit with this show, we could just sit here and read emails all yeah, day long. Yeah, it's the email voicemail show. Right, but we try to have a little mix, right? Well, so. yeah, there's structure to the show of, of how, you know, we go through... Our intro talking about the bad time at the grocery store, and then we do some we do some emails and voicemails, and we do follow up, then we do you know we there's a there's method to the madness, people. There really is. But know that we read every single email, we listen to every single voicemail, and we appreciate it very much. If you too would like to sound off, communicate with the show, and to the audience, we would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. That is the number to call and leave a fewer than three-minute voicemail. If you'd like to email us a voice memo from your smartphone or just send a regular email, it's idoubtit at dollamore.com. All right. So we haven't talked about research in a long time, and I like to talk about research and incorporate that into the show. <laughs> You sure do, Brittany. But we've been sure so do. entertained by the election that we um, haven't had time to really incorporate that stuff in. But I saw this article, and it's from NPR, and it's about how bias isn't just a police problem, it's also a preschool problem. And they break down how teachers, preschool starting in preschool, yeah, um, are biased in terms of race. People who, listen, to go into preschool, be a teacher, you clearly have a love of children. You don't go into it because, ah, fucking brats, that's the only job I can get. You, you, you love and want to nurture and educate. That's a passion. And also, I want to say, before we, we, we get into this, that what we're talking about is bias, not racism. There is a difference. Now, all racists are biased, but not everybody with bias is a racist. When I take that Harvard implicit bias test, I I, I register as either moderately or very, which do you remember what it was? No. I do register as biased, but that doesn't mean in my brain I can't Oh, okay, I'm being biased right now. I need to not do that. Well, everyone has bias. Not you. You came out of zero. I also knew what the point of the test was. Oh. (laughs) 
So that could have influenced how I performed because right. I knew I've heard about the research. I know what they're looking at. And right. I could have been, you know, subconsciously doing something because I knew. Well, the point, though, is not to ignore your bias. You know, I'm not biased. Oh, that must be wrong. Uh, what's I, What I need to do is understand, oh, you do have a bias. You need to work extra hard to not let it affect how you put things together when you think about it. Right. So this researcher, Walter Gilliam, knew that to get an accurate measure of implicit bias among preschool teachers, he couldn't be fully transparent with his subjects about what exactly he was trying to study. Implicit biases are just that subtle, often subconscious stereotypes that guide our expectations and interactions with people. He says we all have them. Implicit biases are a natural process by which we take information and we judge people on the basis of generalizations regarding that information. We all do it, he says. Even the most well-meaning teacher can harbor deep-seated biases, whether she knows it or not. So Gilliam and his team devised a remarkable and remarkably deceptive experiment. There's a new study out of the Yale Child Study Center that I had to read a few times just to believe what it was telling me. The researchers recruited about 135 preschool teachers. They had them watch video footage of four kids playing, a black boy, a black girl, a white boy, and a white girl. And they told the teachers, their subjects, watch the video, there may be some challenging behaviors. As soon as you see something that could become challenging, hit the enter key on your keypad. Well, here's the trick. There was no challenging behavior. The researchers were using eye scan technology to see which child the teachers were looking at the most. And what they found is that the teachers, both white and black alike, spent the most time watching the black boy, waiting for bad behavior that never came. There's one more really interesting headline in this study, which comes later. The teachers were also given a one-paragraph description to read of a hypothetical child with a stereotypical name who behaves pretty badly in class, pushes, scratches, throws toys. And some of the teachers were also given some biographical information that helped make sense of that behavior. They were told that the child lives with his mother, a father has been in and out for years, they're relatively poor, the mother is depressed, works three jobs. Researchers wanted to know if knowing this information made the teachers more empathetic to the kid. Well, here's the shock. It, it did, but only if the teacher and the child were of the same race. If the teacher and the child, a white teacher and a black child, or even a black teacher and a white child, knowing that biographical information those teachers were less empathetic towards those students. And here's why this matters. Imagine, if this is true, if there's this empathy deficit in preschool, well, imagine where else that's true. So I I got goosebumps hearing that last part. Yeah. Um, and that's the maybe third time I've, I've heard him say that. Very powerful. Yeah, it's really powerful. And it affects not just, like he said, the preschool population, but the rest of the world. Right. So according to recent data from the U.S. Department of Education, um, black children are 3.6 times more likely to be suspended from preschool than white children. Put another way, black children account for roughly 19% of all preschoolers, but nearly half of preschoolers who get suspended. Wow. One reason this number is so high, this research suggests, is that teachers spend more time focused on their black students expecting bad behavior. If you look for something in one place, that's the only place you can typically find it, the researcher says. And think about this. If this bias starts 
in preschool, there's no chance to get that helping hand up because constantly there's a negative bias being shown against you from the time you're in goddamn preschool. So when you move on to elementary school, it's still there. It is accumulating. You move on to junior high, even worse. High school, even worse. And you move into adulthood only having known people who deal with you with a bias. And so this is something that I think is important for people to take into consideration, especially if they're those people who say, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. It's all about the choices that you make. You're in control of your life. These are things that uh, kids don't have control over. They can't control this. Right. Well, let me tell you this. Look at it from my perspective. I just got emailed a bunch of baby pictures of me when I was a toddler and, and, and preschooler and this age group, what we're uh-huh. talking about. Yeah. There was never any bias showed against me. Look at the cute little freckle-faced redheaded kid. Oh, my God. Uh, there was no... I was a cute baby. I don't know what happened. Well, like well a, there was some bias because you're I must a ginger. Have been, I must have been hit by a car or something. No, but I mean, adults didn't treat me with a bias. I got the hand up of white fucking privilege. I didn't have to deal with people... Having an eye scan, watching me the whole time. Oh, what's he going to do next? What the, what what's he going to do next? He's going to do something. That's I needed soulless to suspend ginger. Him. Yeah, I didn't have that, so it works the opposite way too. So one thing I want to kind of end the segment saying is is I was fascinated by this part. So because this study used deception, right? Uh, the researchers were ethically obligated to come clean about the deception. Yeah. And they even gave the participants the opportunity to withdraw their data because obviously this isn't the greatest thing, right? That they showed this bias. Yeah, sure. And so they gave them an opportunity to pull their data out if they wanted. And only one person chose to do that. So everyone else was like, you know what? No, this is what happens. This is important. But their names weren't attached to it. It would have been anonymous. Right. But, you know, some people still don't want that out there. You know, my bias is it was the black person who had their data pulled. (laughs) Decent. I'm joking. All right. <laughs> oh. I'm teasing uncomfortable co-hosts. I don't understand the joke. So I, I should I should I should I play it? I don't understand funny, so yeah. Anyway, listen, we all need to do a better job of moving through our lives and evidence by this study, even people of color need to do a better job of keeping their biases in check. We owe it to one another. I say it occasionally that we need to be genuine to one another and love each other. And this is another aspect of that. Recognizing your bias and taking an active cognitive role to correct it. Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. So as we mentioned before, 
We are going to be doing the bonus debate episode for the second presidential debate. By the time this drops into your, your podcatcher or however you get the podcast, there will be an accompaniment, which will be that second debate, which we're predicting now because it is 1.35 p.m. on Sunday, Los Angeles time, and uh, we are predicting it is going to be the proverbial shit show that Donald Trump is going to go for broke. It's going to be, seriously, uh, unlike anything the American people have ever seen televised related to a presidential debate. It's going to be insane. So we are looking forward to that. We'd love to have you join us there. If you know someone who donates to the show through PayPal or Patreon, thank them, hug them, give them some love because they are the ones who make it possible for us to do those bonus episodes. All right. Well, let's let's get in to the meat of this. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, before we get into all of the nuttiness that has taken place over the course of the last couple days, we're going to get to what we didn't get to last time. There's been a lot of talk about the Clinton Foundation that has been coming out of the Trump camp. And we have talked about the improprieties and problems related to the Donald Trump, the Donald J. Trump Foundation. Well, apparently, the noise we've been making as well as the mainstream media led by the Washington Post has not fallen on deaf ears. And now the Donald J. Trump Foundation has has had its its uh, legal ability to solicit funds in the state of New York revoked. I just had the letter put in front of me. Is this over the fact that the Trump Foundation doesn't have the proper registration here in New York? That's all it's about, John. Apparently, to have a charitable organization in the state of New York, you need to be registered with the Charities Bureau of New York State. You need, need to provide financial, audited financial statements annually. Uh, the New York Attorney General's office has been looking into the Trump Foundation, realized that, hey, this Trump Foundation in New York State is not registered in New York State and has not followed all the paperwork. And thus, the Attorney General, Eric Schneiderman, has sent basically a cease and desist order on getting solicitations in the state of New York. So right now, the Trump Foundation, uh, legally, I guess, cannot accept donations uh, from anybody in New York into its foundation. And this is all based on paperwork that has not been filed in the state of New York. You know, Jim Acosta, I'm not sure, has the Trump campaign had a chance to respond? Generally speaking, when you yeah. hear about New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, the Trump campaign is quick to point out he is a Hillary Clinton supporter and a Democratic state elected official. Absolutely. And, and that is uh, in this response I just got from Hope Hicks, uh, the spokeswoman for Donald Trump. Uh, in just the last few minutes, it says... And we don't have time to put this in a graphic, so I'll just read it to you on screen. It says, while we remain very concerned about the political motives behind uh, Attorney General Schneiderman's investigation, the Trump Foundation nevertheless intends to cooperate fully with the investigation because this is an ongoing legal matter. The Trump Foundation will not comment further at this time. Uh, John, uh, this, this has been uh, very much uh, the response from the Trump camp. 
Uh, since the beginning of these questions that were raised about the Trump Foundation, uh, you recall uh, there was that $25,000 payment uh, to Pam Bondi, the Florida Attorney General, uh, and then just the, the recent revelations that came out uh, that some of the Trump Foundation's money was used uh, to pay uh, off legal disputes that Donald Trump was involved in uh, regarding Mar-a-Lago down in Florida, his golf course uh, up in New York. And so this is just another one of those questions uh, for the Trump campaign, for Donald Trump, about this foundation. Uh, why are there so many questions? Uh, at, at the moment, the Trump campaign and, and Donald Trump's uh, chief spokesperson does not have uh, a clear answer for that, uh, other than uh, they question the motives of this attorney general in New York. And in the wake of this, the Donald Trump campaign is whining and complaining about the fact that Schneiderman, the attorney general in the state of New York, is a Democrat who supports Hillary Clinton. Well, none of that matters. It's not a conflict of interest if you haven't done what all other charities in the state of New York have to do, which is file this specific paperwork and submit your charity to a yearly audit. Now, clearly, based on the fact that we know that a painting was paid for, that they bought Tim Tebow gear, signed Tim Tebow helmet and jersey, that they made uh, an illegal that they were fined for the illegal contribution using charitable money to a political campaign, which, whether related or not, I'll let you decide, ended up having the case against Trump University not followed up on by the Florida Attorney General, Pam Bondi. And then also we find out that they're using these charitable monies to pay off legal disputes legal judgments a judge says okay you have to pay this much and they use the charity's money not the business or donald trump's these are all problematic things normal charities don't do this and it it seems clear to me that they didn't want to face that yearly audit so they just didn't file that paperwork so it's not a conflict of interest if all other charities had to do this and they didn't, they have no ground to stand on to bitch and complain because you have to file the paperwork in the state of New York like everybody else. You're not special just because your last name is Trump. The other thing that happened this last week was some comments that Donald Trump made about PTSD and veterans. Now, I'm going to say before I play the clip of him saying it that I just think this is Donald Trump being inarticulate. I don't think that he had malice in his heart and was trying to say that people who get PSD, veterans, combat veterans who get PTSD are weak. I, I don't think that's what he was saying. I'll let you decide. As you mentioned, there's a tragic suicide epidemic among our veterans, around our military and their families. While the military and VA have, are working on the problem, their efforts continue to fall short. There are a number of faith-based programs outside the DOD and the VA that are continuing to be successful in, in stopping suicide and divorce rates. Spiritual fitness works in these types of problems. The government is not taking advantage of these programs and services. So my question for you is, when you become president, will you support and fund a more, more holistic approach to solve the problems and issues of veteran suicide, PTSD, TBI, and other related military mental 
in behavioral health issues, and will you take steps to restore the historic role of our chaplains and the importance of spiritual fitness and spiritual resiliency programs? Yes, I would. Look, we need that so badly. And when you... I just want to stop and say, he asked, would you take these steps? Donald Trump says, yes, I would. And everyone starts clapping. You don't know what he's going to say yet. You don't know what kind of steps he's going to take. <laughs> right. You don't right. know what. I mean, this is so confusing to me about politics. Well, where especially when words like spiritual fitness is thrown. What, is it, what does that even mean? Yeah, I, this is the most frustrating thing about politics and what people expect of politicians. Are you going to take these steps? To improve my life. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, okay, perfect. Well, then I'm going to vote for you. (laughs) Right. How are you going to do that, though? Yeah, it's so confusing. It's very strange. What powers as president do you even have? You can't unilaterally do anything as president. Very few things you can unilaterally do. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a better question to say, like, do you care about this? Yeah. And then if he's like, yeah, I do. Well, then that's, oh, great. I'm glad you care about it. Applause. Yeah, that, that means the same thing. And also, he could be lying. Yeah. So... When you talk about the mental health problems, when people come back from war and combat and they see things that uh, maybe a lot of the folks in this room have seen many times over and you're strong and you can handle it, but a lot of people can't handle it. And they see horror stories. They see events that you couldn't see in a movie. Nobody would believe it. Now, we need a mental health um, help. So, as I said, I think he was just being you know, the bumbling fucking clown that he is. Inarticulate Donald Trump. Just par for the course, it's who he is. So I wasn't angry, and I wasn't even going to talk about this until I heard Joe Biden give a speech and give his explanation condemning the comments of Donald Trump. I said to a group of veterans... When you talk about, he said to a group of uh, veterans, and I'm quoting, I didn't see this, but I was told this by Chris Cuomo who interviewed me when I, the last stop. He said, and I quote, when you talk about mental health problems, when people come back from war and combat, they see things that maybe a lot of folks in this room have seen many times over. Then he points out to the veterans in the room and says, and you're strong, you can handle it. But a lot of people can't handle it. Where in the hell is he from? No, 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 no. This is deadly earnest. My son spent a year in Iraq, came back a highly decorated veteran, bronze star, and a lot lot else. I've been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan over 29 times. I found myself in Iraq being asked by General Ordiano, a four-star, to pin a silver medal on a young captain who had pulled someone out of a burning Humvee, risking his life. And when I went to pin it on him in front of the entire brigade, he stood at me, looked at me, said, Sir, I don't want the medal. I don't want the medal. You know why? He said, He died. He died, Mr. Vice President. I don't want the medal. How many nights does that kid go to sleep? Seeing that image in his head, dealing with it. I have a card I carry with me, my schedule. Every single day I have my staff contact the Defense Department early in the morning. There's a black box in the bottom of it. And it lists 
U.S. daily troop update. U.S. troops died in Afghanistan and Iraq. 6,753. Not plus 6,000. Not 6,700. 6,753. Because every one of those warriors left behind an entire family, a community, for us. Every one of them. 52,419 wounded. But as the veteran can tell you, over 200,000 coming home with unseen wounds. <laughs> 20 suicides a month. I don't think he was trying to be mean. He is just so thoroughly, completely uninformed. We only have one I've been saying this, and when I said it 15 years ago, I got criticized for it. But I make no apologies. We only have one. We have a lot of obligations. We only have one sacred obligation. To care for those we send to war and to care for them and their families when they come home. We have obligations to the elderly and the poor. and everyone. That's the only sacred, sacred obligation we have. So after I listened to this, I was struck by exactly what he's saying here. We as the American people cannot afford an inarticulate president. We deserve someone who has a stranglehold of a command on language because every single word and the nuance of what they say is dismantled. And Donald Trump doesn't have that ability. Everything he says is either misconstrued or, ah, I was being sarcastic. Believe me. Believe me. We don't need a sixth grade intellect running the country. I still think he didn't have ill intent when he said it, but it doesn't matter well we're also not electing a comedian in chief so we don't need someone who is sarcastic and who is trying to make jokes yeah. or whatever excuse is used to explain away the ineffective communication that he used at the time um you need to be standing behind your words choose them carefully yes. that's the whole point yeah and i love joe biden and when i first watched this i felt emotional yeah because you can tell that that he cares. Well, why can't why can't we have him running for president <laughs> right now? <laughs> yeah. And not the woefully flawed Hillary Clinton. It's a bummer that he decided not to run. I understand why. His son just died. Yeah. You know, tragically painfully died of cancer. Yeah. I get it. I just, you know, I hope and I wish. There's, you know. Yeah. So we, we got what we got. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight is the uh, is the presidential debate, the second one. And the other day was the first and only vice presidential debate, which was kind of a turd. Tim Kaine came across aggressive and weird, which is just uncharacteristic for him. He's not a he's a meek, mild mannered. Eh, you know, he's uh, he's like a middle school teacher guy. He's not angry, fiery. He just seemed out of his element. And maybe that's because he's not a confrontational guy and didn't know how to pull it off 
and make it look natural. There were a few moments in the debate that were immediately capitalized on by the Clinton campaign and put into a commercial in which Mike Pence is denying statements made by himself and Donald Trump that were completely ridiculous. Here's the commercial put out by the Clinton campaign. Let's start with not praising Vladimir Putin as a great leader. Donald Trump and Mike Pence have said he's a great leader. And Donald Trump has... No, biz- we have has- Putin's been a very strong leader for Russia. Vladimir Putin has been a stronger leader in his country than Barack Obama has been in this country. Donald Trump, on the other hand, didn't know that Russia had invaded the Crimea. Oh, that's nonsense. He, he, he's not going to go into Ukraine. All right, you can mark it down, you can put it down, you can take it anywhere well, you want. He's already there, isn't he? Donald Trump has said it. Deportation force. They want to go house to house, school to school, business to business, and kick out 16 million people. And I cannot believe you're going to have a deportation force. Donald Trump and I would never support legislation that punished women. Should the woman be punished for having an abortion? There has to be some form of punishment. More nations should get nuclear weapons. Don't try to defend that. Well, he never said that. Wouldn't you rather, in a certain sense, have Japan have nuclear weapons? Saudi Arabia nuclear weapons? Saudi Arabia, absolutely. Donald Trump said keep them out if they're Muslim. Mike Pence put a program in place to keep total and complete shutdown of Muslims. He is asking everybody to vote for somebody that he cannot defend. Pretty great. And they jump on it so quickly. Well, in the wake of the debate, Mike Pence got a lot of praise because he came out on top of this thing. He seemed cool and calm and collected. He had his answers. He was a liar and and was very ineffectual in defending the remarks of co- uh, and comments of Donald Trump and himself because, you know, the tape don't lie. But there were reports that Donald Trump was angry that Mike Pence was getting so much praise. Well, in a speech the very next day, Donald Trump took credit. (laughs) Donald Trump took credit for Mike Pence's debate performance. How many of you watched the vice presidential debate last night? Mike Pence did an incredible job, and I'm getting a lot of credit because that's really my first so-called choice. That was my first hire, as we would say in Las Vegas. And, and I'll tell you, he's a good one. He was phenomenal. He was cool. He was smart. He was, I mean, you just take a look at him. He was meant to be doing what he's doing, and we are very, very proud of Governor Mike Pence. Thank you, Mike Pence. I'd argue that Mike had the single most decisive victory in the history of vice presidential debates. I believe that, too. And last night, America also got to look firsthand at my judgment, and that was judgment. You know, you need judgment for people, for deals. We don't do deals like the Iran deal. We don't do deals like that anymore, folks. They say Donald Trump loves Putin. I don't love, I don't hate. We'll see how it works. We'll see. Maybe we'll have a good relationship. Maybe we'll have a horrible relationship. 
Maybe we'll have a relationship right in the middle. I can say this. If we got along with Russia and Russia went out with us and knocked the hell out of ISIS, that's okay with me, folks. That's okay with me. I love when he says we don't make deals like the Iran deal. How many people in that room do you think know what he's talking about when he says that? Oh, I I think they know from his speeches generally about the deal that he doesn't like, but they don't know fucking anything about the specifics or the the higher level. What was at stake? Listen, right. What percentage do you think would understand? that? Oh, my God. Um Five percent? I, I was going to say five percent. Yeah. And they're cheering. Uh, this is another frustrating thing <laughs> where where people. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, it is uh, where oh. people claim to know more about things than they really do. There's plenty of political issues that I just do not know about and yeah, I don't yeah, claim yeah. to know about them. Yeah. Um, so I would never sit there and start cheering about something I don't know about. Well, especially when Donald Trump doesn't know. Are you kidding me? In international relations, Donald Trump is purporting himself to be some kind of expert understanding the nuance of international relations and diplomacy. Right. Come on. Ah. All right. Well, here we are. Donald Trump was caught on tape from 10 years ago speaking to Billy Bush from Access Hollywood. He, was, he had a hot mic. He was getting ready to, to disembark uh, a bus. And they were going to do some kind of a soap opera thing where he met with a soap opera team. And they were going to, I don't know, you know he some was, little... He was guest starring on a soap opera. Okay, that's what it was. So they were going <laughs> to... Yeah. He was going to do a little soap opera thing. <laughs> President of the United States, everybody. Well, as, as I'm sure you've already heard by now, he said some very lewd and arguably supportive things about sexual assault. Here it is. She was down in Palm Beach. I moved on her, and I failed. I'll admit it. Whoa. I, I did try and fuck her. She was married. <laughs> huge news there. No, no, Nancy. Yeah. No, this was... And I moved on her very heavily. In fact, I took her out furniture shopping. She wanted to get some furniture. I said, I'll show you where they have some nice furniture. <laughs> I took her out furniture. I moved on her like a bitch, but I couldn't get there. And she was married. And all of a sudden, I see her. She's now got the big phony tits and everything. She's totally changed her look. She's your girl's hot as shit in the purple. Whoa. Whoa. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> yes, the Donald Escort. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my man. Wait, wait. You got to look at me when you get out of your legs. That is very Will you give me the thumbs up? Look at you. You are a piece. You got to put the thumbs up. You got to okay. get the thumbs up. You can't be too happy. else off first? Yeah, let me. It's very funny. You gotta give the thumbs up. Maybe it's a different one. Better not be the publicist. No, it's it's her. Yeah, that's her with the gold. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything. Look at those legs. All I can see is the legs. No, it looks good. Come on, Shorty. Oh, nice legs, huh? Oof, get out of the way, honey. That's good legs. Couple of things. <laughs> Just a couple. Let's start from the latest and go back to the beginning. Uh, they're referring to the woman as an it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Donald Trump it literally said it 
looks good. Yeah. He's speaking about a human being. Yeah. And saying it looks good. Like a, a steak or something. Yeah. On his place. Like a car. Um, Object. Also, Donald Trump is 60 years old. Yeah. In this clip. 59 years old. And he's... <laughs> he's closer to death than he is birth. I mean, this is just so <laughs> strange to hear a 60-year-old man talking like this. Yeah. First of all, what does moved on her like a bitch mean? I've never heard that phrase. Either have I. In fact, I, t- I was texting with some friends yesterday, and I, I was asking, because you asked me, like, almost like you thought it was like guy code, like guys talk like that, like like it was a phrase. I'm like, I have no idea does he mean he was a bitch? He moved on like moved on her like like I I I was a bitch. I just moved on her. Or that she was the bitch and he moved on her like she was a bitch. I don't I don't have any idea. Yeah, either do I. I it's it's fucking Donald Trump speak. Who, I will who say knows? this is the most articulate I've ever heard him speak. <laughs> right. So that's something. Well, there's no inarticulate uh, nature here. We know what he says. When he says, I just I just start kissing. I don't even wait. Wait for what? That's the question. And we know what the wait is. It's for consent. I don't even wait to ask if she wants me to kiss. I just go in and kiss. Well, I hate to break it to the Trump supporters. That is sexual assault. That is a crime. In every single municipality across the country, that is assault. I also think the... You know, I can do anything I want because I'm a star. If you ever get to the point yeah. where you are saying that you are a star, like you're saying that about yourself, it's time to it's time to go down a couple notches. Okay. It, it, seriously, I expect like him to look up into the sky and do jazz hands. I'm a star. It is amazing. When you're a star, you can do anything. It is amazing <laughs> that anyone would feel comfortable saying those words out loud. Yeah, yeah. Oh, when you're a star, they let you. I'm a star. I mean, really? Well, and then we're getting to the obviously grab them by the pussy, which is a horrific. I mean, listen, if kissing is assault, and it is, what is grabbing someone against their will by the genitalia? Fondling their genitals. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Criminal behavior, a jailable offense and billy bush in his helium voice is just sitting there laughing laughing giggling like a fucking schoolboy, not understanding the context or he is understanding the context and he's on board with assaulting women sexually it's very disturbing because you'd think that anyone in this situation would kind of pause and, and say what are you what are you saying now what are you talking about two grown men yeah, and they they brushed this off. The immediate statement that was released in response to this video was that this is locker room talk. Yeah. And that Bill Clinton has done far worse. Okay, this is not locker room talk. This is not how men talk. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. And if you are making the argument that this is how men talk, then that says far more about you yeah. than it does about men in general because that's you. That's on you. Listen. Let me say this. I'm a guy who has a dark sense of humor. I laugh at shit that a lot of people don't think is funny. I'm crass. That's just who I am. I'm just wired that way. I have never, 
ever in my life had a jovial conversation about assaulting women or acting sexually to them against their will ever. I never have. This isn't normal guy behavior. This isn't locker room talk. If I heard this in a locker room, I don't have occasion to be in a locker room ever. (laughs) But if, if, if I heard this, I would. I would be alarmed. Well, and the thing is, if this is locker room talk, if this is how men talk, then that's a problem. Yeah. It, that it's scares not. me. It's not. That that scares me, though, that people are saying this is just how men talk. That frightens me. That when I walk away or when any woman walks away, that these are the comments being made. That that you're referring to us as it's. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab them by the pussy. I mean, that we're being treated like <laughs> objects. Yeah. Well, objects for his pleasure. And that is... Not objects like, oh, it's a statue. I really like that. Objects that he gets to manipulate and and th- that exist for his pleasure. So it's scary. And when they get off the bus, um, they meet this woman, the it. Yeah. And Billy Bush says, why don't you go ahead and give Donald a hug? I was going to play the entire second half. Let me just play that that first part. Go ahead. It's always good if you don't fall out of the bus. Like Ford, Gerald Ford, remember? <laughs> Down below. Pull the hand. Hello. How are you? Hi. Trump, how nice are seeing you? you. Terrific. Nice to meet you. Terrific. You know Billy Bush? How Hello. Are you? Nice to see you. How are you doing, Ariane? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Are you ready to be a soap star? We're ready. Let's go. Make right. me a soap star. How about a little hug for the Donald? You just got off the bus. Is it like a little okay, hug, absolutely. <laughs> Melania said this was bushy. okay. I just got off the bus. Oh. <laughs> bushy, bushy. There we go. There we go. Excellent. Well, Come you've on. got a nice coat. So that's the other thing. He was married to Melania for about five months when this happened. Yep. And and Billy Bush, after having this disgusting conversation, referring to her as an it, encourages this woman to give Donald a hug. He that is disgusting. Grab him by the pussy. It's disgusting. Yeah. But what is more outrageous is the fact that Donald Trump couldn't even open the bus door. He had to knock. <laughs> Down below. Pull the hell. I mean, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah. He, well, he thought he thought it was Star Trek. You knock on the door and it just slides open like an automatic thing. Well, y- you know when uh, that <laughs> that debate entrance fiasco happened? Oh, yeah, right. It was very similar to that. He was kind of standing there. He knocked. He looked at the cameraman like, are you going to open the door for me? He and thought then, it was just a platform that was going to yeah. take him there. You're capable of pulling the handle down, sir. Go ahead and give that a try. <laughs> down below. Pull the handle. What a turd. Well, listen, the uh, the response has obviously been varied. There has been some support, and there's been a lot, a lot of condemnation. But we're going to leave it to Scott Bayo, Charles in Charge, who took up for Donald Trump on Fox News. Scott Bayo joins me now. Good evening, Scott. Hey, Judge, always good to be with you. Thanks. Uh, Good to have you here. All right. Now, I remember specifically you said that one of the reasons that you supported Donald Trump is because he spoke like a regular guy. (laughs) Do you think what he said or what was released from 11 years ago is that kind of stuff? 
Absolutely. First of all, I think 11 years ago, Trump was a Democrat. So doesn't he deserve a pass? <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Um, I like Trump because Trump is not a politician. He, he, uh, he talks like a guy. And ladies out there, this is what guys talk about when you're not around. So if you're offended by it, grow up. Okay? And by the way, this is what you guys talk about over white wine when you have your brunches. So take it easy with your phony outrage. This is the way the world works. It's not a big thing. I can't wait for whenever the time comes when Chachi is no longer phoned to be on a panel to discuss news. Right. But I don't know what world he's living in. If this is like Hollywood or something where he thinks that when women go to brunch, they're talking about grabbing dicks. Oh, come on, Brittany. You love to walk. I've been I've been in public with you. We'll be walking through Costco. Oh, my God. Brittany just walks up, just <laughs> grabbing dicks left and right. You know you do. Just dick grabber McGee. Yeah. At my funeral, someone will get up, <laughs> make a statement, say the one thing we about gathered, Brittany. <laughs> we are gathered here today to commemorate and memorialize the life of Brittany Page. There's a lot oh of things that could be said about the lovely and talented Brittany Page. There is one thing that cannot be denied. Brittany loved grabbing some dicks. Okay. So anyway... <laughs> I mean, what is he talking about? It's absurd. That I mean, I mean that's obviously obviously a joke, but it doesn't it put it into the light of how absurd it is to think you can just walk around. I, you can do anything, whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. Well, Chachi is more of a threat than I originally thought. Right? Yeah. Because if this is the, the you don't want Charles in charge. If this is the kind <laughs> of conversation that he is going to have. Or that he has on a regular basis, apparently. This is, we need to get over it. We need to uh, get over ourselves. If you're offended by it, grow up. Yeah. If you're offended by men articulating how they sexually assault women, you need to grow up. Yeah, I can really see him uh, having this conversation with Megan Kelly oh, and, and yeah. having her react similar to how Janine did. Ugh. No, please. What What is wrong with her? She's not doing her job. Right. Well, listen. He wasn't the only person interviewed. And we're going to end the show with this because this lady was goddamn taking care of biz. Taking care of biz. Anna Navarro. And listen. Anna Navarro, let me let me let me explain who she is. Anna Navarro is a big wig in Florida politics. Anna Navarro is a Republican. She's a Republican strategist. Right. And Anna Navarro has been long against Donald Trump since the inception of his campaign. She was always a supporter of Jeb Bush. Yeah. She's not a liberal. She's not a liberal. I no. mean, really, she this lady's a Republican. Yes. But she disagree with her politics all you want. She has soul. And she has heart and she has some moral compass that has led her in the right direction this entire campaign to campaign against and speak out against Donald Trump. Well, she was on with a panel of people, including Andre Bauer. I don't know if he's the former or current lieutenant governor of South Carolina, who is a Trump supporter. Tara Setmeyer 
who is also a Republican, Scotty Nell Hughes, who is a decidedly pro-Trump person, and Bob Beckel. They all joined Don Lemon. And Bob Beckel is a liberal. Right. He was the only liberal on the panel. So they all joined Don Lemon with Anna Navarro to talk about this. And Anna Navarro did not hold back. Laughable part about it was when he says, anybody who knows me knows these words don't reflect me at all. We have seen for the last uh, year that those words are exactly what reflects him. And I just have one question for my GOP brethren, for GOP leadership. We have seen this man mock a disabled person. We've seen him call Mexicans rapists. We've seen him say horrible things about Rosie O'Donnell, about Ms. Universe, about Megyn Kelly, about Carly Fiorina. We have seen him pick a fight for over a week with a gold star family. What else do they need to see? Today, we saw him boasting, laughing about grabbing a woman's pussy. What (laughs) else do we need to see to disown him, disavow him, ask him to resign, ask him to step down? He is dragging the Republican Party down. And everybody's going to have to answer the question, what did you do? When you were faced with undisputable evidence that this man was a misogynist, mm-hmm. did you step away or did you try to make an excuse? Okay. And that's the question that leadership needs to answer tonight. She's exactly right. And I did a video yesterday, if you'd like to see it, it's on YouTube, imploring, trying to convince Republican leaders to disavow Donald Trump and his candidacy not just speak in harsh terms about how you don't agree with what he said. You need to step away. You need to unendorse Donald Trump. Well, they came back from break, and Anna Navarro finished the segment with Scotty Nell Hughes being about as hypocritical as one human being can be. All this shaming of each other on TV... Really, let's not do this, guys. None of us are on the ballot. The people that are on the ballot are Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, and we are judging Donald Trump. If you choose to believe him, if you you choose to believe him, if you choose to make excuses for for him, that's your choice. That's and your be, choice. And then be my your choice, choice is, my choice is to consider him a disgusting balance. man who has consistently disgusted me from the first day of this campaign. And I think that every single Republican is going to have to answer the question, what did you do the day you saw the tape of this man boasting about grabbing exactly. a woman's pussy? That's Period. Okay. All right. We'll Will be- you please stop saying that word? My daughter is listening. Yeah, and you know what, Scotty? Well, you know what, Scotty? It, but don't tell me you're offended when I say pussy, but you're not offended when Donald Trump <laughs> exactly. says I'm not running for president. He is. Yes. And I said, I okay, so then don't act outraged and offended when I say the word that you're not offended by the man who you are supporting is saying that is just absurd by him saying that, too. We'll be right back. Mm. 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 Her little hmm at the end is the same as, oh, that's rich. Your favorite thing. Well, my favorite thing is that she is saying pussy on CNN. Yeah. Which is shocking, right? You don't usually hear. It's it's, it's allowed. It's cable. You can they could say fuck if they want to. Yeah, it's just it's shocking when you hear it because right. y- those words are not usually used on TV. Yeah, it's a professional, and it's also CNN. Yeah, you know, it's not a, a, an HBO show. Yes, but this is the level of discourse that we have right now. Don so. Lemon, 
all the good shit happens on Don Lemon's <laughs> It really Lemon's show. does. It really does. He runs a pretty loose ship over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but Scotty Nell Hughes, her reaction <laughs> is just outrageous oh, to say yeah. that she's she's offended that would Anna you, Navarro is saying this. Would you please stop using that word? My daughter is watching. You're getting ready to... I mean, you want the president to be elected that's using this word. You you want that guy up there. And it's not even like, yeah, I love me some pussy. He's saying, I'm going to sexually assault someone by grabbing them in the pussy. Are you more concerned that Anna Navarro is saying pussy? Or are you more concerned that Donald Trump wants to grab women's pussies without their permission? Yes. W- what is more concerning for you, Scotty Nell Hughes? I wonder if she's just abjectly embarrassed by having said that i mean because it's hypocrisy even if you're a donald trump supporter you've got to be like oh why'd you say that it it just adds to the to the damage of of donald trump having said it anyway once again i would call on republican leaders to unendorse donald trump now is the time Fewer than 30 days till the election. It needs to happen. With that, we're going to leave you. We've got a debate to watch. Brittany's excited. It's going to be a good, good time. So, we'll see you on the other side in the bonus episode. Until then, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been the 250th episode of I Doubt It. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. 